Avocados are my love language. Ooh, prehistoric velociraptor eggs. That's my love language. Are those Samoas? Now you're speaking my love language. Valentine's Day is here, so it only makes sense for us to talk about love. And regardless of whether or not you have a partner or are riding solo, the most important thing is to love yourself. And Kesha once said, nothing is real, but love is everything. And that is so true. At the end of this life, just make sure that you lived it loving yourself and loving others. Love that. <laughs> uh, love that journey for you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. So, hi everyone and welcome to our 20th episode of Obsessed. Um, that's two zero twenty 20 episodes in the book. In, in the book, right? In the book. In the book. <laughs> on the web. On the web. On SoundCloud. <laughs> but uh, that right there is Ariana. And that's Jeff. And because it's Valentine's Day, we're going to discuss the five love languages. How they originated. And our thoughts on this framework. So we totally understand that some of you listening have literally never heard of love languages before, but essentially, we're going to go into depth, essentially it's a framework around how people give and accept affection, so we're going to dive into some details around it. It'll be fun. Yes. So um, about 27 years ago in 1992, the five love languages, the secret to... The secret. The secret. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No Tweety Bird was here. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. The five love languages... Can you speak like her the entire episode? The Wait. The five love languages... <laughs> wait, I can't even... The secret oh, yeah. to the love secret that The secret to love that wests by Gowie <laughs> Chapman... <laughs> No, The Secret to Love That Lasts by Gary Chapman hit the bookstores in 1992 and it has only gained popularity since then. It has become a cultural sensation. Yes. And for some context, because who is Gary Chapman? (laughs) Gowie. (laughs) Gary Chapman is a counselor um, for families and couples in the Calvary Baptist Church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And so, because he was a counselor for so long, he wrote this book about love languages. And like Jeff said, it has just gained immense popularity, especially with the millennial generation. Yes, this book has sold over 12 million copies and is almost always at the top of the New York Times bestseller list and the top sellers on Amazon. Yes. According to Chapman, the reason he felt so strongly about writing this book is he thought that well thinks he's still alive right yeah he okay, is. He's, he's like alive. 73 or something he's in his 70s so he's still alive um but chapman thinks that everyone gives and receives love differently but with a little insight into those differences we can be confidently equipped to communicate love well and we cannot rely on our native tongue if our spouse does not understand it If we want them to feel the love we're trying to communicate, we must express it in their primary love language. So that's the whole point. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Yep. So thanks guys for joining. I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, we're not going anywhere. There's a lot more. Stay here. Uh, So we're going to go into each love language. There are only five. We're going to keep them brief. But just for a little bit more context, Chapman believes that there's one primary love language for each person. Yes, you can have and show more of these at other points in your life but he thinks that there is one and there's multiple quizzes you could take to figure out which one is yours so if you're listening at home just 
have fun and take the quiz and try and figure out which one is yours. And the order at which we list them, they are not in any particular order. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to get started. Let's kick it off with words of affirmation. So words of affirmation means that you're positively acknowledging... Acknowledging... <laughs> Positively acknowledging. Oh my god. Words of affirmation means that you're positively acknowledging your partner with compliments or positive feedback. So basically you're using words to build up your your partner. Yes. Um, and actually one of my favorite proverbs that I just read today. <laughs> and it's um, instantly your favorite. It's my favorite. It's <laughs> that uh, life and death is in the power of the tongue, which is applies perfectly to the words of affirmation because your words can literally lift someone up and it could also destroy them. So that's how important words can be. Yes. And for people who have words of affirmation as their love language, it's important to remember that Yes, a big part of it is obviously to hype your partner up and always be positive to them and, and encourage them. But people with that love language are also very, very um, sensitive to criticisms. So just like you have to be weary of what you say and make sure that you're there to um, be there for them and encourage them, you also have to really think about the words that you use, just like Jeff's favorite proverb said. What's that supposed to mean? Because it's important. <laughs> that was so good. So another love language is uh, giving gifts. And so that, you know, any material um, object, um, something tangible, because a gift says, oh my God, he's thinking about me. Look what he got me. So it's, it's definitely like a universal um, expression of appreciation. It makes you think that like, well, that person is thinking of me. They went out of their way to buy something for me. And it's not just on birthdays or anniversaries. This is like giving gifts in between all, all throughout yep. the year. Yeah. And it's like surprising someone with a little gift or yes. something like that. Yep. So that's how some people show their love and affection. That's also how some people like to receive love. Next is acts of service, which is actions speak louder than words. That's really when one person performs a particular behavior to help the other partner or you're doing something for your partner that you know they'll not only like, but will um, relieve some of their stress. So an example of that is, you know, I have 500 errands that I have to run and you know this and you take it upon yourself to go out and knock off five of them off my list just to help me because you know that it'll make me happy and it'll, again, relieve a lot of my stress. But another example of that is just literally doing something for someone that you know they like Absolutely. like cooking for them yes. or which in a way again just takes something away from something they have to do yes 100 percent um so another one is uh spending quality time and uh that just means giving your spouse undivided attention so that could be uh, taking a walk together or sitting on the couch with the tv off and just talking and listening um really being in the moment and cherishing each moment and unfortunately we live in a time where we're so distracted with phones and netflix and and Disney flicks and <laughs> all of that. So and squishing and squashing. And squishing and squashing. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it really is important to just disconnect for a little bit and just really communicate with your partner. And I actually read a, read a really good quote today that said, keep dating your spouse. So apparently people that are dating are much better communicators and spend more time with each other, more quality time than married couples. Because I think when you're married, you have um, more responsibilities in your life. Mm -hmm. So by keeping the notion or the idea that you should keep dating them, that kind of revert back to the times where you're dating and getting to know them, that that should be consistent throughout your whole life so that yeah. you can spend quality time with 
with them. Right. And even if you are married, that's why date nights are so important. Yeah. Like, don't lose, Seriously. don't lose that just yeah. because you're married. It's important. And the last one is physical touch, which you know what that is. Um, that's holding hands, hugging, kissing, um, you know, anything related to uh, intimacy. People that have this as their love language, like, very much um, like any kind of physical touch or um, whatever with their partner and they also probably give that and it doesn't just mean PDA like you're out at a bar and you have to make out with your partner it is literally just having some kind of meaningful physical interaction with your partner that means the most to them yeah it could just be like a hand on the shoulder yeah pat on the back right <laughs> that's just like i'm here for you yes <laughs> um so yeah as ari mentioned before out of these five everyone supposedly has one primary love language which speaks more deeply to you than the others and it's important to discover your partner's love language and kind of understand your own and in gary chapman's book he said it's the best way to keep a marriage healthy and alive but something interesting to note is that there are different dialects of these love languages so for example qu uh, spending quality time so like for someone spending time on the couch watching tv but not really talking to, to each other that might be considered quality time to them whereas for the other person sitting with the tv off and like looking at each other in the eyes and really communicating and bonding that way that's their that's their version of of spending quality time right or even going to do an activity that both you and your partner love that could be quality time yes, as well like paleontology doing that together right like paleontology <laughs> yeah. going to the the natural history museum and looking at dinosaurs exactly um, <laughs> that's your love language <laughs> but yeah so that's why it's important to um if you go about figuring this out and talking to your partner and figuring out theirs it's important to take it a step further and realize which exact piece of that really really um is most meaningful to them uh, and another example would be acts of service so let's say your, your spouse is doing chores like doing dishes and and sweeping the floor or whatever he might think like that he's showing love for you because he's doing all these things but in, in actuality the other person might be like okay you should be doing these these are chores right Why i asked you to do them last week yeah so just because <laughs> you're doing them now and you're getting the task done doesn't mean that this is showing me love. It's just showing you, showing me that you are fulfilling your responsibility. <laughs> right. So there's definitely a difference and you shouldn't use uh, any of these languages as a means to uh, make it seem like, I guess you're really trying to tap into what your partner really cares about and, and um, likes to receive because you should have probably just been doing this stuff anyway. But another good example of acts of service um, is my dialect is, like I said earlier, helping me out like because i'm always juggling a million different things so for me if you were to actually go and surprise me by getting one of those things done i don't have to do it that's amazing but maybe for someone like jeff an act of service would be you know he just got home from work and he's always tired after work but this is i don't even think this is true um because <laughs> he has an insane amount of energy but it could be that your partner um made you dinner right yeah and that's so nice for someone like me i would i would find it more meaningful if you did a chore for me and helped me out so but yeah those are just a few examples of the different dialects of love languages that jeff brought up which is really really important and again that's why you this is taking the quiz and like briefly reading about them is literally the beginning you have to do way more research and really talk to your partner for sure um and another interesting thing is that like love languages actually start to develop 
when you're around like four years old like pretty much once you're able to really like communicate with people yeah <laughs> i just remember for me when i was a kid i would always make pictures or like find like, a cool rock in the yard and i'll always give them to like my parents or like my grandparents as gifts i think for me that was my way of showing love towards them um that's not my my primary love language now but back then i really expressed my love by giving people gifts for sure yeah i i like that and i think that's really interesting that it starts so early because for me since i was very very young probably not four but um I distinctly remember like doing acts of service for my mom because I always knew that she was stressed and it always it made her happy Aww. if I helped out. So, but that's not even my primary one. But that's just something I realized at a very young age. Well, maybe so, because you know. it is possible that they change, and we could discuss that. Is it? <laughs> um, but so Ari and I did take the love language quiz, which is on the website, which I think is five lovelanguages.com. Yeah. Okay. The number five. The number five. Yeah. So we both took the, the quiz, and my primary love language is quality time. And Ari, what is yours? I have two. So it's a tie for me between quality time and words of affirmation, which We're, is interesting. Yes. But so do you think quality time is an accurate love language for you? Uh, I totally think it is. I, I cherish um, experiences and, and moments more than anything. Like, I don't need gifts and... I just I just love quality time because those are those are the the moments that I will remember. Yeah. Um. And that's what for me like in my relationships like that's what helps build a stronger relationship because then within those quality time moments and then you 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 get to learn more about your partner and you get to just communicate um, whether it's like super like minuscule details about your day or like really significant conversational topics or whatever I think that's that's when you really build that bond. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that makes sense for you. Um, and I have quality time as well, um, which is definitely important to me. And I also, I think it makes a lot of sense um, in even the activities I do. Like one of my favorite things is to find some kind of similarity with my partner and like our interests or passions or whatever and go do it together because um, I'm huge on shared experiences. So I think that makes sense. And also words of affirmation completely because like we said earlier, love languages is not just how you like to receive love, but it's also how you give love. And for me, this makes complete sense because I like whoever I'm dating, I'm literally their hype girl. Like no matter what, I am like I I'm their cheerleader. I love to um, make people feel, feel really good about themselves and remind them um, how great they are. They don't ever ask for it. It's just something I do. So from that perspective, it's totally my love language because I just always give it. And as I've gotten older, I think it makes sense that now this is something that I'm really wanting in return because sometimes I don't have that. Yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I think it makes sense. And it doesn't... I know that words of affirmation is, you know, people who also like to be complimented and encouraged... Yes, that's true. I don't always need to be complimented, but I think if someone is saying to me, you know, like, you got this, don't worry, things like that, that'll make me feel really, really good. Absolutely. So, I think it makes sense. Yeah. And I, like we said about, like, shared experiences, like, I've been bringing, well, I'm, I shouldn't say bringing, we've been going together, my boyfriend and I, to, like, the gym, trying all these new fitness classes. Yeah. And, like, for me, that's something I am very passionate about, and he's getting into it too and like just sharing that moment together just like pushing our bodies to the limits that is something that you can't reproduce anywhere else it's like only in those moments so 
Um, yeah, I think I feel like for both of us, quality time and in words of affirmation are super accurate. Yeah, I agree. And that being said, guys, I want to dive into love languages a little bit more and kind of our obsession with them and just casually throwing love language into conversations mm-hmm. because I think there's a misinterpretation of love languages and what Chapman set out to do in his book. So what we've managed to do in the last few years is uh, take this approach and really make it about ourselves. Um, You know, we take the quiz about love languages. We're very much, I mean, especially you and I, Jeff, it's it's everyone, but we're huge on being self-aware and personality quizzes and all of this stuff uh, because it's just, like we said, another toolkit to help us understand ourselves. Yes, absolutely. But the purpose of... Uh, coming up with love languages and writing this book, according to Chapman, was to literally help you understand your partner. So you're not supposed to look at love languages and sit there and take the time to um, only understand yours and then try to express your needs to your partner. You're supposed to understand your partner's love language and have that conversation and either adjust or, um, you know, take strides into accommodating their love language. And you know something that's interesting? In Chapman's book, there's only a very small section about how to discover your own love language. The rest of the book is all about discovering your partner's love language. Yeah, see, and that... I like that, but you wouldn't know that unless you actually read the book. Yeah, but and also we're, like, we are, anything we read, like, if it pertains to us, then we're going to be interested, you know? For sure, and that's fine. That's, like, part of human nature and also just our generation. Yeah. That's fine, but I, I know you have, I have, and I'm sure our listeners have just heard love languages being thrown around, and everyone thinks the whole point is to figure out yours and try and find someone with the same as you. No, no. No, no. <laughs> and also to try and tell your partner, well, um, I'm sorry, but I'm really into, uh, you know, gift giving. So this is what I expect from you. That's not, that's setting up like a, I think a, a kind of a negative connotation, connota- kind of, or a, just relationship, a negative interpretation, a negative interpretation of, of this framework, yes. because it really, the focus is on your partner and trying to be a better partner to them, not what you need. Of course you should be saying this regardless um, even outside of love languages. But I just think there's a misinterpretation of what the reasoning behind these even existing in the first place. And everyone's just like, nah, nah, I'm on the, <laughs> I'm on the hunt for someone who's also acts of service. Yeah. Like it goes but way it's not more about that. that right? yeah. It's not about that. Um, so to kick off some of the criticisms of Gary Chapman's book, um, I went on Amazon just to like see what some of the reviews were. And I just pulled a few of the reviews. I kind of sum up sort of how I feel about his book. (laughs) So someone said it was written with 1950s ideals, Mm -hmm. written for straight conservative couples, and there's an underlying agenda to preach about God, which was so true. Yes. Um, Being that he's a counselor at a Baptist church, there were a lot of religious undertones uh, for his writings, and it did seem like it was, like he had a hidden agenda, kind of. But anyway, so we'll kind of like talk about those a little bit more in a second. But so to me, love is an indescribable feeling and there's no way that we could possibly categorize it into five boxes yeah i think love languages are similar to astrology and personality quizzes like myers-briggs in the sense that you know you have to take them with a grain of salt because 
we can't be summed up in one star sign, in one personality type, um, in one love language, because we're different and we grow and we learn and we change. And so it doesn't make sense to just kind of rule everything else out. And so that's why it's important to look at things holistically and, and like I said, really take them with a grain of salt. Like yeah. Use this as a, a tool and a means to start a conversation and a means to uh, learn about yourself, but do not, in any shape or form, rely on it. Right, because love is so complex. Every person's complex. Every relationship is complex. Yep. So, there, yeah, this isn't um, all-encompassing. It's definitely... Like Ari said, um, it's a good way to start a conversation, and it has. Like, yeah. we're having this conversation on a podcast, so clearly it does something. But uh, another thing is that in, in Chapman's book, he pretty much says, like, if something isn't working with your partner, even if you aren't compatible in any way, you should either, like, kind of change how you show your love or do whatever you can so that your partner can show you love. And to me, changing kind of who you are and, like, what what your idea of love is like for someone else i i think if you're willing to do that because you love them that's great but you shouldn't expect anyone to change for you if they don't want to and you also shouldn't really have to change as a person in order to receive love from someone else like those should just be givens in like any successful relationship like that love should already be there you shouldn't really have to change too much yeah like you shouldn't go into it with the intention that if Someone is not doing what you want or what you like. No worries. I'll just change them. I think change is the problem word here um, because change is so harsh, right? Like no one should ever. I, I personally don't believe people really change. I think um, if they really work hard, they can grow and kind of become um, a version of themselves that is better and more accommodating. But... I also don't want anyone to change ever. Like, that's never my intention. You are who you are, and if we're compatible and if we work out, that's amazing. Um, if not, then you will find someone that you're better suited for. Absolutely. I don't ever want someone to change. Yeah, and that kind of... Um, so, that reminds me of, like, one of my previous relationships. Like, the communication wasn't there, quality time wasn't there. There was, like, really <laughs> nothing there, but I just, like, I still put so much emotion into this relationship, and I kept trying to get him to communicate more, to spend more time, and it just wasn't happening. His heart wasn't in it. And, you know, in, in Chapman's book, he would say, keep working at it. Like, you know, we're, we weren't married, so like, it would be different if it was a marriage. But, like, he, Chapman thinks, you know, relationships are supposed to be this way <laughs> and right. that you should do whatever you can in order to please the other person so that they will give you love. Right. So, I mean, you were fighting a losing battle, pretty much. Exactly. And what yeah. I think is important is that you worked your ass off to try and get to that point and then you realized it just wasn't going to happen right and you were able to you know back out of it because thankfully you guys weren't married and whatever um but yeah that's the whole point here like everyone should be working but at some point you have to understand that people are who they are and i just think it is what it is and also if, if your partner is not working as hard as you that that's it's something that unbalanced. is important right it's yeah. and again if like if if you're working hard and realizing it's not for you that's totally fine it's better to break it off than to have a toxic relationship for sure <laughs> but um chapman most of chapman's clients because he was a counselor um they were all married couples for the most part and presumably got married at a very young age like they're from the south so I think their marriage was damaged because they got married so young that of course there were there were flaws in it because like they really didn't know who they were as individuals as adults 
until, you know, 10 years into their marriage when they realize like, okay, this person isn't for me. And then Chapman's like, okay, well you need to learn their love language and you need to work at it. Because being coming from a, um, a, a Christian background, you know, marriage is sacred. So yeah. breaking a marriage is one of the most sinful things you could do. Right. It's a holy sacrament. <laughs> exactly. And you can't break it. Yeah. So for Chapman, you know, saving a relationship is more important, even if it's toxic and even if it's abusive, you know, physically, emotionally, psychologically, it's more important to, to save that marriage than to break it off and find someone that you're more compatible with. Right. And, you know, we're not saying that, uh, couples that have been married for 42 years because they got married at 22 they must be in a uh, you know an unhealthy um uh lackluster relationship that's definitely not true no. there are people that got lucky i think yeah. and then realized that they actually are compatible when well, they it's got just older a, it's just his clients because they were obviously seeing him because they had trouble well yeah of course yeah. of course but um but yeah i think as we critique and as you guys are listening to us kind of critique his languages it is also obviously important to consider who he was writing this book for and like yes. what he was exposed to like you just said these types of people, these these this clientele, this is what was going on in their relationship. So of course, based off of his religious background and what he knew as a counselor, it was all very much that kind of 1950s ideology where it's, you know, very legit gender roles and um, kind of old school thinking. And obviously it's 2020 now. So many things are different. Yeah. So it's, we it's, can't even, we literally can't even relate to like 90% of the book. And yeah, his clientele was definitely not part of the LGBTQ community at all. That was not spoken at all in, in his book. Um, and also the only source that he has um, reference is one, you know, his own clients and also the Bible. So, you know, so it, it is very religiously biased on yes, his part. Definitely. And one of my um, criticisms about love languages is that I think the way we give and receive love is contextual and circumstantial. And I think it changes at different points in our lives, which make it really hard to agree with just having one primary love language. Um, similar to us saying you shouldn't be boxed in one, but I really, really think the way you love it just, and the way you show it changes person to person, different times of the year, as you get does. older. Um, relationship to relationship. Right. Like you just learn a lot more about yourself when you grow. And yeah, because Eric, because you were um, in a long distance relationship. So would you say like your love language is different then than like than it would be now yeah so when i first heard about love languages is about two years ago and i took the quiz initially and i had only words of affirmation as my primary love language um which you know now we're seeing i i have quality time and words of affirmation um at a, a tie right now and that just goes to show that after being in a long distance relationship I have now grown and realized that quality time is actually something that is very, very important to me. Um, and that's how I like to receive love because I wasn't getting it in my, in my previous relationship. And gift giving is usually very low on my list of love languages. Um, but for me, that was probably the top way I showed love when I was in that long distance relationship because they're not here. I can't, you know, 
make use of quality time or even words of affirmation sometimes because you're not talking to your partner at, at every moment of the day. Yeah, so you, ch- you channel that love into other areas. Right, and so that's how I would do it and send little postcards and little gifts because we're not together and then like, uh, it's fucking pulling teeth to try and get a postcard back. We won't <laughs> talk about that. I'm kidding. I mean, it did happen and I was like, hi, how many do you have to send? Um, it's okay. I never got anything in return either, but it's fine. It's not my top love language. It's fine. I, I, I died started to but yeah but it didn't even come up even in top three when I took the quiz and I knew for a fact that's how I was showing love so yeah take everything with a grain of salt because that's apparently my new favorite phrase I love that Um, (laughs) but something else that I found interesting is there was a study conducted and it showed that love language alignment um, did not appear to promote higher relationship satisfaction which goes against what Chapman the whole purpose of his book. I know. And I a actually, lot of what he brings up is that, you know, you can hope that you find someone with the same as you or at some point they align. Yes. And this study is showing that that's not even the case a lot of the time. Exactly. And that, and that could, like, you can even go back to saying, you know, it opposites attract. So, like, dating someone with a different love language, it could open your eyes to new perspectives, new new ways of showing love, you know, ways that you've always had inside you, but that other person is bringing it out in you yeah and also when you're with your partner and you can see them working hard for the relationship and for you and that they actually care about what's important to you that i think would definitely create a stronger bond than off the bat meeting someone that you know receives and gives love in the same exact way for sure right yeah and for me i feel like i wouldn't enter a relationship before i knew how they showed affection or and how they accepted mine and also how i showed affection toward this person because i think those are really important things that you should kind of figure out before you become super involved with someone so that you can prevent you know these issues down the road where you're like okay i i didn't know this guy's love language or whatever Yeah, I totally get that, and I think that's an ideal situation where you have the ability to kind of figure that out earlier, and you're so observant, but I think in the beginning of relationships, a lot of the time, people are still in um, honeymoon honeymoon phase, and they're a little bit kind of uh, blinded by Mm -hmm. every aspect of someone, and so that's why when you date for a little bit longer things start to creep up that you didn't realize earlier. Yeah. Um, or you did notice and you kind of suppressed because you were like, oh, that's not true. Until that's it just, just like kept building up. Yeah. So yeah. what you're saying is definitely right and that's ideal and I would love to enter situations the same exact way. But I think in reality, a lot of times it doesn't work out like yeah. that. So, you know, then you can take the love language quiz together. I know. But I feel, yeah, I feel like you and I kind of learned from experience too, like not to just jump right into things just because they're there and they... <laughs> right. Like there are yeah. how many people in this world? It, you it's don't... Like, there's not the only person you can date. I know. Exactly. Relax. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, they're the only person who will ever like me again. That's not true. Okay. You need to love yourself first. <laughs> if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love someone else? Can, can I get, I get an, an amen? amen? <laughs> Yes! <laughs> I love that. Okay, so what other criticisms do we have so we can wrap this up? Wait, what other? The whole episode is us being like, um, I don't like this. I know. Well, okay, so there was one section of his book that not as explicit as I'm about to make it sound, but it was kind of more on the subtle side. But still, it's I, I think it's something that is a bit misogynistic. Um, he gave an example of a wife that's kind of being emotionally and like psychologically abused by her, her husband. And he pretty much said, and this is in a marriage. Oh, hence the word wife. <laughs> 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 um, and Chapman, <laughs> Chapman pretty much says that 
this woman should do whatever she can to like sexually please her husband so that he will eventually show her love and again that goes to the whole thing i said about how marriage is you know super sacred um especially in in religion so saving this marriage is more important than this woman's mental and and physical health so I think he kind of does have this like misogynistic side to him and which is why some of the reviews on Amazon said that it's written with like 1950s ideals where like men are the breadwinner and like women are a bit more on the submissive side. They have less of a representation in the household. And something that really caught my attention was in the acknowledgments in his book, uh, like right before the book actually starts, he says, He's, um, he's talking about his wife, and he says, if all wives loved as she does, fewer men would be looking over the fence. Ugh. And this pretty much implies that if, like, all wives love their husband as much as his wife loves him, then fewer men would be, like, cheating on their spouses. Right, or looking to cheat. Looking over the fence at the neighbor, you know? Yeah. But, um, and that pretty much implies that, like, it's a woman's fault for their husband cheating on them. Right. That's um, absurd. Yes. And, again... Fuck out of here. I mean, this was only written in 1992, but, like, still, these these ideals are super um, antiquated. Yeah. Mm-mm. I know. <laughs> and then he also mentioned... Sorry, Ari, I know you were about to open your mouth say something. I'm just going to cut you <laughs> off right there. I'm talking so fast. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and he also says that for men... And, you know, some of this is true, and you can kind of, like, throw, the, um, throw some information if you have it, but... For men, sexual desire is physically based and and necessary and important, but for women it's emotionally based. So for men it is super important important that his his wife pleases him sexually because that is the only way that she'll then receive love from him. That I think is ridiculous. Like yes, there is obviously science behind well, there's signs supporting that it is a lot more physical for men and there's something that literally happens in a woman's body when she has sex with someone um, that's different than, than a male. But what? I know. Like, it's it's emotional, it's physical, it's all of these things for every gender. Yeah, and it's... Exactly. It just and wasn't like, considered when he wrote the book. And it just it just makes it seem like it's a woman's job to please her man sec- like uh, sexually. But what about the man pleasing the woman sexually? Right, exactly. Of course, none of this ever even brings up the fact that women can be satisfied. Exactly. Whatsoever, or that that's important. I know. I my, my heart, like, feels for the women that he talks about in this book, and it just, it's... I don't know. It's kind of a, a horrible outlook on everything. Yeah. But, yeah. But um, I will say, um, lastly, uh, in terms of my criticisms of these love languages, I think that um, people can fall into a place where they're kind of pigeonholing themselves into only giving and receiving one form of love or affection based off of their primary love language. So you, once you know it, you kind of keep it tucked in your uh, subconscious and you're always thinking about um, that love language and translating every action into that love language. Yes. Well, like I said right? before, words are so powerful. So if you're given that label on this like s- stupid quiz, um, then you're going to consider yourself... That's that's all you're going to see. Yeah. And just it, literally with horoscopes. Like, yeah. Everything you see, you're like, oh my God, that's totally me. Meanwhile, it can completely apply to any other person exactly. on this planet. Yeah. So it's the same way. And I feel like it's okay for that to happen with horoscopes and it's okay for that to happen with personality tests. But love is so important um, in any relationship you have, not just romantic ones. So if anything, it's worse to be pigeonholed about 
this topic because you don't ever want something that's purely should be purely feeling based to be in the form of a checklist. Yeah, and you don't want it to limit the potential that you have to right, love. Right. That's so like, I'm kind of annoyed that we um, have been taking this quiz and like reading about it for so long because I can't help but always think about this. Same. And like, I feel like it's kind of, it, it's not ruining love for me because love is beautiful. But when I think about love now, especially after doing all this research for this podcast, I just can't help but like picture those five check right marks and in like my, what category does it fall into? Like it yeah. just it becomes transactional in a way. Ex- oh, it's super. What am I giving? What am I getting? Yes, it it ruins the beauty of love. Yeah. But, so um, take the quiz, guys. <laughs> <laughs> take the quiz and let us know what you are. <laughs> um, <laughs> but also, there are so many other. Um, aspects to love that we will not get into but some people say that love is based on the attachment styles of someone and you need to find someone that has the same attachment style some of them are secure anxious and avoidant but i will not get into them we'll do another episode on that because it's really really interesting and i actually love reading about attachment styles um and you can learn so much about yourself because again we all fall under under one of those categories too and right there those are three so regardless of whether or not you follow our trusted love languages i think what it undeniably does is it sparks a healthy conversation between partners and that's what is the biggest takeaway from this um you know yes it is overwhelming to kind of read all about this and then you can get swept up in what each of these mean but and gary chapman's background (laughs) right gary chapman's background (laughs) but no matter what it encourages you to ask these questions and inquire with your partner and just really create a stronger relationship. And that's what you should be doing anyway. And if it starts because of love languages, then so be it. That's amazing. For sure, yeah. And and while you're spending quality time, this, could be, this is the perfect way to both take the quiz together. Yeah, and, that'd um, be cute. And bond over it. Oh, I kind of love that. <laughs> um, yeah, and it just obviously shows your partner that you care about them and you're willing to work on things and... and you know, accommodate them. And I think that's that's what's most important. And so, yes, we've been, you know, kind of criticizing um, these love languages, but they are a great tool, just like everything else in learning about yourself and your partner. For sure. And we'll say your favorite phrase, but take them with a grain <laughs> of salt. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so if you if you have a partner this Valentine's Day season, hold them close, tell them or anyone in your life how much you love them. And if you don't have a partner, practice self-love and just cherish the time that you have with your friends and family because remember at the end of the day, love is everything. Yes, <laughs> I love that. And if you're painfully single like me, then Let's go out. (laughs) (laughs) Also, Valentine's Day is a crock of shit. Oh, it is. Sorry, unpopular opinion. (laughs) Um, Because every day should feel like Valentine's Day when you're with someone that exactly love. exactly but reese's hearts are fucking everything they are delicious i mean so it's super commercialized as is, is every holiday <laughs> right right so whatever the candy is the best part yeah. <laughs> but if you're dating someone that only gets you something on valentine's day you need to i think reanalyze probably relationship, right yes yeah i think that's I think fair so. to say yes um okay go do what you're gonna do on valentine's day Enjoy yourselves. Love yourself. Love yourself. <laughs> Emphasis on yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Even if you're in a relationship, yes, love yourself. Love yourself. Um, and don't do anything we wouldn't do. Yeah. <laughs>
Which doesn't limit you at all. No. So, spread <laughs> <laughs> your wings and fly away. <laughs> Have fun, guys. Love ya. Oh. <laughs>